0: Kent Online News.
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.
0: Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay on Wednesday, May the 12th. We're going to start off with video footage from a police body cam that's captured the moment a driver deliberately rammed into their patrol car during a high-speed chase.
2: Stand by. going to ram, it's going to ram, it's going to ram. Go close, go close. Come on. Cancel, Come cancel. On. Come on! Yeah, control, it's still rammed. rammed us. Magazine Road Stand is back. ramming us. Control, we're being rammed. Let's go again, Magazine Road.
0: Cameron McLaughlin didn't have a licence and was uninsured when the pursuit happened in Ashford in March. The 22-year-old father of six from Hitherfield in Charing reached speeds of up to 70 miles per hour on residential roads and crashed into a car containing a one-year-old baby – Thankfully, they weren't injured. But the footage, which you can see today at Kent Online, also shows the officers chasing McLaughlin on foot when he dumped the car and ran off.
2: Right we going dead ends. picture road. Heap for road. Get dead ready end. to run, mate. Go, go, go. Cameron <laughs> McLaughlin's on foot. Kenwood. Go, Jay, go. Driver! Driver!
0: He was eventually caught and arrested and tested positive for cannabis. He's now been jailed for 18 months and banned from driving for more than three and a half years. He admitted dangerous driving, driving under the influence of drugs and without a license or insurance. Next today, a man in his 60s has been arrested on suspicion of murder after a man was found dead in Dartford. Police were called to a property in Dartford Road yesterday lunchtime and discovered the victim in his 40s. We're told the two men knew each other other. A man who wrapped a duvet around a sitting-born woman before setting it alight has been jailed for more than two years. 27-year-old Jack Locke from Sean Close in Orpington also threatened to petrol bomb her home and attacked her after she gave a statement to police. New research out today has revealed Kent has three of the most dangerous rural roads in the country. An interactive map produced by the AA reveals the roads said to be the riskiest for young drivers. Now they've looked At the number of crashes involving seventeen to twenty-four year olds behind the wheel, and found more happen on the A two two nine, which runs from Rochester through Maidstone, than anywhere else. Well, I've been chatting to Edmund King, who is president of the AA, and started by asking why the A two and A two four nine also feature in the top ten.
3: In terms of kind of collision density, traffic is higher in Kent than it is in other parts of the country. So, if you compare it to Cornwall or parts of Wales. So in terms of the actual numbers of vehicles, they're much higher. But on the A229 in Kent, over that six-year period, there were actually 397 crashes, of which a quarter, 24%, involved young drivers. So 97 young drivers were involved in those crashes. And one of the things that we kind of put it down to is that Many young drivers, when they learn to drive, learn to drive in an urban or suburban area. And they don't get much experience um, when they're learning to drive on rural roads in different weather conditions at different times of the day. Because the research found that the majority of accidents happened late on Saturday night, early on Sunday morning. Often it was a single vehicle involved. Often it was in wet conditions. So one of the things we're saying as part of this campaign, when people are learning to drive, they should ensure that they have lessons or go out with their parents or a, a qualified adult and drive on different road types at different types of the day. Because experience is key to this. There was a difference between a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old Even within that year of driving, the 18-year-old got got safer on the roads. So it must be down to experience.
0: Motorway driving got added in, didn't it, to to the driving lesson system. Do you think rural roads perhaps got a little bit ignored?
3: Yeah, indeed. I mean, we we were pleased that motorway driving and that a qualified instructor is now allowed to take a learner on a motorway in a dual-controlled car. Because again, that was a bit of a crazy situation. You could pass your test at midday and be on the m twenty at one o 'clock, having never driven on a motorway before so we we do think that was a good good step. However, if you actually break down the statistics as, as, as we 've done, it clearly shows that people are more at risk on those rural roads so We've talked to Grant Shapps, the transport secretary, he's supporting our campaign and the government's Think campaign are going to look to put some of the data around the map on their educational website so that sixth formers and schools can also look at this information, learn from this information and be aware of some of those dangers.
0: And as we come out of lockdown, I know there's been a huge backlog of people wanting to take their test and things like that. How much of a concern is that, that we're going to try and push drivers through the system quite quickly and suddenly get an influx of, of brand new drivers on these roads?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, because... Um, just um, prior to the test restarting again, I know at AA Driving School, they they had more than 26,000 inquiries for, for lessons. And the problem at the moment is, if you're lucky enough to book a test, you stick to that date of the test because it's very difficult to get another date a month later. And so, you know, there is some evidence that maybe some drivers are going more quickly than they would to take that test in a month's time because they're worried that they won't get another appointment and all the evidence shows you know the more lessons you have the more experience you have going out with your parents or a qualified adult that period of learning the longer that period is the more structured it is the better it is for the driver so it is a bit of a concern at the moment just due to the backlog That some people just might be rushing it.
0: And you can see that interactive map by clicking on the link in the story at Kent Online. Kent Online News. We've got an update now on that huge explosion, you might remember, that happened in Ashford last week. It's now believed it was caused by a leak from a portable gas heater. Seven people were injured. We've been told that two of the victims remain in a serious condition at a London hospital. The blast destroyed a house on Millview and damaged two others a man's been taken to hospital after getting injured on a building site in medway paramedics and the air ambulance were called to otterham key lane in rainham yesterday afternoon it looks like plans for a one million pound makeover of canterbury city centre are back on the council wants to transform what's been described as the tired and dated saint george's street into a leafy boulevard with new paving lighting and seating But there are concerns market stalls could be scrapped as part of the redevelopment. Well, a consultation is underway to find out what people living and shopping there think of the idea. Now, chances are you've seen people out riding electric scooters. They have become pretty popular, but are they safe? Well, there are fears the increased use of the vehicles could lead to accidents and injuries, and the government is being urged to run a safety campaign. Private e-scooters can only legally be used on private land, but more and more they're being used on roads and pavements. Gravesham councillor Brian Sanger is concerned about them.
4: I am worried. I'm worried by the growth in the uh, use of e-scooters, without there being also the very, very necessary publicity and campaign nationally, locally, about their use, their safe use. You know, n- nobody should be saying, oh, actually, we want, we need to ban e-scooters. But I'm w- very worried that what we're going to see is a serious accident involving a, a rider. At worst, I mean, I can see something like a pillion passenger Coming off a scooter, e-scooter, because they're maneuvering, you know, very quick ability to maneuver. And I think what we're likely to see is somebody suffer possibly a serious head injury you know, as a result of falling from a scooter. And, and I can certainly see a lot of pedestrians complain about scooters, you know, just sort of weaving in and out at will. And often the riders are tend to be very abusive towards people that raise concerns. I saw only last Friday, a young pupil from a local school riding a, an e-scooter. And when a gentleman actually uh, gestured to him and said, look, you shouldn't be you know, weaving in and out like that. He, he told him in very, very strong, you know, abusive language where to go. And, and that is not acceptable. You know, to me, we must put the safety of the public and the e-scooter riders first. And furthermore, what worries me uh, more than that is actually the fact that riders are unaware, uh, almost totally unaware of the need to protect themselves with some equipment and simple things like a helmet, like some you know visible clothing. I have seen an electric scooter hit the side of a a, a car that was coming up uh, uh, from being parked. And the two riders, there was a rider and a pillion passenger they both fell to the ground both wearing dark clothing at night and and quite honestly i wonder you know had they sort of suffered a head injury I think, you know, we'd be looking at a very, very serious
0: accident. We've also been chatting to Sam Reed. He studies at Canterbury Christchurch University and took part in a trial hire scheme in the city, which has now been extended to include some residents as well as university students. He reckons they're an ideal form of transport and now has his own e-scooter.
5: They're just a great ease of getting about the town, getting up to Kent Uni. They are not only just a way of formal transportation but informal it's just a brilliant day out uh, i've seen a lot of people over lockdown with e-scooters in general just boost their both their out. it's just a great great time out but also seeing a way of helping the environment you don't you don't burn in any petrol or nothing at all
1: what are some of the key benefits of using an e-scooter
5: they're just perfect for getting about an ease of transport rather than you know cars and it's, I think it's all just about saving saving the environment, really. They just have such a positive impact. Do you think people
4: need to be educated on how to use
5: them sensibly? Or yeah, 100%. I mean, personal transport is always going to be a danger for pedestrians, no matter what it is. When you really look, look at it, I know personal transport is always going to be a danger to pedestrians. It's making it safer rather than just tr- giving it a try. A few nutters that don't know how, don't know the rule of the road rather than it's just the actual scooter that's dangerous it's you can put anyone in a car and if they're a dangerous driver then it's a dangerous car it's not cars that are seen as dangerous um but i don't really you know there's not much really you can say it's always it's not scooters that are dangerous any personal transport are going to be dangerous to pedestrians it's how do you solve that
0: well you can join the debate by commenting on the podcast story or on our socials
5: kent
1: online reports
0: At Kent Online today, you can read our special report on some of the world-leading work that's being done in Kent to improve the way we all live and work. Reporter Oliver Kemp has been speaking to some of the innovators in the county who are coming up with ideas to improve how we communicate, they're finding life-saving drugs and making our roads safer. Well, let's hear from some of them in the podcast. First up is Paul Grant from Venom Tech, which is based in Sandwich. They're looking at how spider and snake venom can be used in the world of medicine.
1: Venoms could be considered to be um, what you might think of like as a black box. Now, any given venom could contain, in rare cases, up to a thousand different components, like crude oil, for example. It's got so many components. Um, And drug discovery and uh, crop science, they have been a bit fearful of venom because you don't know what's in it. So it's a bit of a black box you just don't know what's in it you know there's some good stuff in it but even if you were to um find something useful in it how would you know what it is how to get it out how to replicate it in in an environment that's um when i say sterile i mean sterile in terms of drug discovery where everything is isolated and you know an exact amount of what you put in and can predict what you get out. So um, what Venom Tech offer is a, a way to take this black box, um, uh, separate it out, provide our customers with um, separated, we call fractionated components, um, and identify for them anything that they find to be interesting
0: also based at the discovery park is alga sites who are researching how we can get supplies of omega-3 without affecting fish stocks it's found in fish oils and is really good for us but the state of our oceans are a real issue right now as viewers of sea spiracy will know adrian neelan is from the group
3: let me put the innovation of delivered by the alga sites team in discovery park into context When one considers a recent Netflix series which was revealing in the context of concerns about the depletion of fish stocks, concerns about microplastics in the sea, concerns about levels of fuels that's emitted by the fishing industry as a source fish from worldwide uh, oceans, then it's very clear that any innovation which gives people's choice is going to be very significant. This innovation by the team in alga will only truly be understood as we build out plants, manufacturing plants, both in the UK and worldwide.
0: And when it comes to finding energy sources to reduce harmful emissions, Alpha 311 in Whitstable is leading the way. They've designed a wind turbine capable of producing as much energy as 20 square metres of solar panels. And you can fit them on a lamppost with a company. And now being contacted by countries from all around the world, Barry Thompson is the CEO.
2: What we need to do is we need to make adoption easy. It should never be a hard decision to use renewable resources. Um, And likewise, we should never have to think about how do we choose one over another. There should always be. There's no... People say we're trying to save the planet, we're not. The planet will be just fine. The problem is us. And we're actually looking to save ourselves and our children and their children, et cetera, and the health issues that will all come with that if we don't. In this country, um, we have a problem with fuel poverty. In Thanet, as an example, 12% of all households are deemed to be in fuel poverty. And that's where they have access to electricity, but they can't afford it. So These are the types of people who are on prepaid meters. They tend to pay a lot more for that energy because it's being paid up for upfront. So what we're looking at doing is providing a solution for social housing whereby the power that's being generated is uh, provided locally extremely cheaply because there's no transmission
0: cost. Olly's also heard about 6G development going on in Kent and the road barriers being developed in the county to reduce the number of fatal crashes. As I mentioned, you can read that special report at kentonline.co.uk. The government's backing a campaign for a memorial to Dame Vera Lynn on the White Cliffs of Dover. The wartime entertainer died last year at the age of 103. Culture Minister Matt Warman has told MP He looks forward to the day a statue is placed at the iconic Kent landmark. And finally, at Kent Online, you can see a picture of a little piggy who was captured by police after going for a bit of a wander. Not sure if he was off to the market, but he was eventually stopped by officers after getting out of his pen in Rainham. Officers say he wouldn't squeal on who'd let him out and was disgruntled to be detained.
1: Kent Online Sports.
0: Kent Rugby Club is hosting a free event to encourage more girls and women to join. Dartfordians Ladies is hoping to attract the interest of those aged 18 and over to increase their team sizes. There will also be open sessions for girls aged 11 and above at the Memorial Clubhouse in Bexley later this month. Well that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on socials. That's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to the IM News app that will give you access to all KM group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk
1: News you can trust This is the Kent Online Podcast